Chapter Eight of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Finn walks alone. For a long while after the men had left the scene of Finn's miserable captivity, he remained standing and occupying as small a space as possible in his prison the fastidiousness bred in him by careful rearing told severely against finn just now he had never until this night been without water to slake his thirst and never never had he smelt anything so horrible as the earth of the little den in which he was now confined also the place was actually filthy as well as apparently so finn could not bring himself to move in it he stood shrinking by the door with his nose near a crack beside its hinges for long he reflected upon the events of that night without moving then gradually thoughts of kathleen and tara and the sweet cleanliness and freedom of his home beside the downs came swimming into finn's mind and these thoughts seemed to add intolerably to the aching of his bruised bones and muscles to the soreness of those spots in which his skin had been broken and to the misery of the thirst which kept his tongue protruding at one side of his jaws unable to bear these things any longer finn turned cautiously toward the middle of his loathsome prison and though his feet shrank from the task scraped a hollow place in its midst of about the bigness of a wash-hands basin then treading as though upon hot bricks he squirmed his great body round to avoid touching the walls of his prison and sat on his haunches in the hollow he had made he was now filled with a desire to inform tara and the master and it may be the rest of the world about his sorry plight but particularly he wanted to let the master and tara know about it and so seated there in what he had endeavoured to make the one approachably clean spot available finn pointed his long muzzle towards the stars he could not see and opening his jaws wide expelled from them the true irish wolfhound howl which seemed to tear its way outward and upward from the very centre of the hound's grief-smitten heart to wind slowly through his lungs and throat and to reach the outer air with very much the effect of a big steamship's siren in a dense fog it is a very long drawn-out cry beginning away down in the base dragging up slowly to an anguished treble note in a very minor key and subsiding despairingly about halfway back to the bass it is a sound that carries a very long way though not so far as from the place of finn's captivity to the sussex downs and carries misery with it just as far as ever it can reach upon the hearer who has any bowels of compassion it falls with a weight of physical appeal which may not be denied above all it is a strange mysterious uncanny cry and not a sound which can be ignored it is a sound to fetch you hurriedly from your bed at midnight and that though you had been sunk in dreamless sleep when first it smote its irresistible way into your consciousness finn was beginning the bass rumble of his sixth howl when the door of his prison was flung suddenly open and he saw matey armed with a hurricane lamp and a short heavy stick he was still so new to the ways of matey's kind of human 
that he thought his howls had brought him release and for an instant he even had a vision of a deep basin of cold water a meal and a sweet clean bed which his innocent fancy told him matey might have been engaged in preparing for him if he had not been so loath to risk touching the walls of his prison his powerful tail would have wagged as the door opened and the clean night air came into him as it was he leaned forward to express his gratitude for the opening of the door and as he moved forward delicately matey's stick descended on his nose with all the weight of matey's arm and matey's savage anger behind it there was no more sensitive or vulnerable spot in the whole of finn's anatomy physically or morally the blow was hideously painful hideously unexpected hideously demoralizing it robbed finn of sight and sense and self-respect and forced a bewildered cry from him which was part bark part howl part growl and part scream of pain it planted fear and horror in a single instant in a creature who had lived in the world for fifteen months with no consciousness of either the filth of his prison was forgotten in this new anguish of pain and fear and humiliation compared with which the kicks and stranglings of the early part of the night were as nothing at all in a few seconds of time the proudest of princes in the dog world was reduced to a shuddering cringing object cowering in one corner of a filthy cupboard matey was not only furiously angry he was also a good deal afraid and that added cruelty to his anger he had heard a number of bedroom windows raised as he crossed the walled-in yard he wanted no inquiries about the source and reason of the weird siren-like howls that had brought him out in his shirt and trousers it was his business to see that there were no more howls and the only means that occurred to his brutal mind were those he now proceeded to put into operation he closed the door of the den behind him and he rained down blows upon finn's shrinking body till his arm ached and the dog's cries subsided into a low continuous whimper the very paralysis of shame anguish fear and distress then when his arm was thoroughly tired he flung the stick viciously into finn's face went out and locked the door matey certainly could not be called a clever dog-stealer because he had no notion of how to preserve that which he stole putting aside their brutality his methods were incredibly stupid but when five minutes later he lay listening in his bed the only reflection that his stupid mind brought him was that he had succeeded admirably no further sound came from the walled-in yard and it appeared that there was to be no further risk of neighbours being disturbed by howls from finn matey was too far away to hear anything of the low tremulous nasal whimpering which trickled out into the night through the holes in the door of finn's prison and in any case there was no fear of that small sound disturbing any one so after his own fashion which one really hesitates to call brutal because brutes rarely and probably never indulge in pointless unnecessary ferocity matey had been successful 
but if matey had had sense enough to be called a clever dog-stealer he would have recognized that despite his huge bulk and strength finn was one of the gentlest and most docile of created things whose silence and tractability a little child could and would have brought about with the greatest ease and without so much as an angry word and so one has to admit that matey's cruelty was like nine-tenths of the other cruelty in the world alike among the educated and the uneducated in that it was due to ignorance and stupidity for a long time finn was conscious of nothing but fear and pain and misery he really had been very badly handled and though he knew it not one of his ribs was broken after an hour or two he became perfectly silent and began tentatively and in a half-hearted way to lick some of his bruises and abrasions then before this task was half accomplished wise nature asserted her claims and the exhausted wolfhound fell into a fitful sleep just before daybreak when he woke fully a couple of hours later much of his pain and misery remained with him but the fear had given place to other feelings chief among which came the determination to escape from the dominion of matey his own short experience of life gave finn nothing to draw upon in coping with the situation in which he now found himself he was drawing now not upon teaching or experience but upon what we call instinct the store of concentrated inherited experience with which nature furnishes all created things and some more richly than others deep down in finn's share of this store there were faint stirrings in the direction of hatred and vengeance but of these finn was not actually conscious as yet what he was acutely conscious of was the determination with which instinct supplied him to seize the very first opportunity of getting clear away from his present environment and from matey so much instinct taught him that he must get his freedom if he could and that he must never never again for one moment trust matey this was only the surface of the lesson instinct taught him there was a lot more in the lesson which would permanently affect finn's attitude toward humans and toward life itself but the surface was the immediate thing to win to freedom and never to trust matey again the first result of finn's lesson was that he examined the whole of his prison very carefully by the aid chiefly of his sense of smell and touch there was hardly any light in the place his nose was very sore because matey's stick had knocked a large piece of skin from it and bruised it badly also the smell of every part of finn's prison was revolting to him but though with sensitively wrinkled nostrils finn made his examination very thoroughly and in the end he decided that he could do nothing for the present three sides of his prison were brickwork and the fourth the door presented no edge or corner which his teeth could touch so finn sat still waiting listening and watching with his tongue hanging out a little on one side of his mouth by reason of the horrid dryness which afflicted his throat and every hour that he waited brought greater strength to his determination besides teaching him something in the way of patience and caution presently the waiting finn heard heavy footsteps in the yard outside and the muscles of his body gathered themselves together for action 
the door opened and finn saw matey standing there with a stick and a chain in his hand instinct told finn on the instant that he must at all hazards avoid both the stick and the chain but more than anything else the chain come here said matey and finn came but whereas matey had reckoned on a slow movement in the course of which his hand would have fallen on finn's slip-collar preparatory to fixing the chain on that the movement was actually very swift and low to the ground and resulted in finn's passing out scatheless into the walled-in yard oh ho so we don't like our new master don't we haven't forgotten our bloomin gruelin eh better take care you don't get some more of the same sort master wolfhound if you asked me the walled-in yard was quite safe matey was in no wise perturbed and moreover having slept soundly and breakfast copiously he was for him in an amiable mood still he had no wish to waste time and he wanted to overhaul his plunder and groom finn up a little before the prospective purchaser arrived so matey turned round leaned forward with a hand resting on one knee and tried to twist his features into an ingratiating expression as he said here then good dog come on finn here boy but instinct made finn's intelligence upon the whole superior to matey's in this matter and having already satisfied himself by means of hurried investigation that at present he could not escape from the walled-in yard the wolfhound stood half a dozen paces distant from the man waiting with every nerve and muscle at concert pitch the man moved forward with hand outstretched invitingly the wolfhound moved backward with hackles slightly raised thus they followed each other round the little yard perhaps six times the distance between them being maintained with nicety and precision by finn then matey's mental inferiority appeared he was expecting very shortly now the man from whom he hoped to receive his reward the price of finn his intelligence such as it was told him that strategy would now be necessary to enable him to lay hands on the wolfhound but even while recognizing that he could not refrain from angrily flinging his chain at finn's face after his sixth promenade of the yard and cursing the dog savagely before retiring into the house to prepare a stratagem finn did not snarl as the chain struck him instinct had not carried him so far from education but he barked angrily and bounded to one side while the man was away finn examined the gate of the yard through which he had been driven on the previous night and though it rattled hopefully when he plunged against it with his forepaws raised high above its fastening it remained solidly closed as finn turned away from the doors of the yard matey appeared from the house holding in one outstretched hand a piece of the same kind of meat with which he had seduced finn into accompanying him on the previous evening and calling the hound to him in a friendly tone but finn had learned a good deal since his first taste of that savoury meat more a good deal than the man who offered the meat had learned in the same time taking the middle of the yard so as to leave himself ample space for retreat he remained watchfully regarding matey and refused to advance a step matey's spoken blandishments were now a dead letter to finn having once discovered the possibilities of human treachery he would never forget them 
and here the folk who belong to what we call the brute creation are apt to be a good deal wiser than their betters in the scale of evolution they do not forget the teaching of experience so readily as do those of us who are farther removed from nature to be sure matey's notion of strategy was puerile enough but apart from that it is safe to assume that finn would never again completely trust this man who had been the first to introduce him to fear and misery to humiliation and to knowledge of the existence of treachery and cruelty in menfolk matey cursed the wolfhound angrily but that did not incline finn to trust him any the more then the man advanced a little in his strategy and tossed a piece of the meat on to the ground before finn to inspire confidence but finn's mistrust was too profound to admit of his stooping to pick this up he was not very specially hungry in any case and if matey had been an observant creature or even one who used his memory wisely he would have known that the offer of drinking-water would have been infinitely more tempting to finn than any quantity of savoury meat but as a fact finn was too much possessed just now by his determination to escape from matey and all his works to be very clearly conscious of any other need then his petty strategy exhausted and his paltry measure of self-control with it matey started to chase finn with a stick now and again he succeeded in getting a blow home as finn wheeled and leapt before him within the narrow limits of the yard and every time the stick touched him finn barked angrily this performance was extremely bad for finn it was calculated to break down some of the most valuable among his acquired qualities the characteristics that he acquired with his blood through many generations of wisely bred and humanely reared hounds in one sense it was more harmful than the merciless and unreasonable punishment of the previous night because there was no faintest hint of a punishment about it not even of the sort of punishment that had followed his howling that had had the bad qualities of cruelty and unreasonableness unjustifiableness this was not punishment at all it was sheer savagery the savagery of a running fight in which the man though he might hurt occasionally could not conquer and that is a most demoralizing sort of a happening as between dog and man its demoralizing influence could have been detected by an observant spectator in the notes of finn's barks when the stick reached him they approached momentarily nearer the threatening nature of a growl a new dangerous note to hear in finn's speech with mankind matey was rapidly becoming exhausted and in another moment or two would probably have flung his stick at finn and given up his senseless pursuit when just as the wolfhound bounded forward from under his stick at the house end of the yard the gate leading into that yard opened and bill appeared in an instant finn had sprung for the opening bill's legs were thrust from under him and as he stumbled with one hand on the ground and an oath on his lips finn reached the open road outside behind him for a moment finn heard a hurried scrambling and a deal of broken breathless whistling and calling aloud of his name 
and then he heard no more from the place of his captivity and anguish for the reason that he was already nearing the limits of the little town and galloping hard for the open country over the road by which he had travelled some ten hours earlier in matey's cart finn galloped for about three miles his heart swelling within him for joy in his freedom then gradually his gait slackened to a canter and then to a trot and finally the sight of a wayside pond brought him to a standstill and after a mechanical look behind him he walked into the water and drank and drank and drank till he could drink no more finn emerged from the pond with heaving flanks and dripping muzzle conscious now of some of his hurts and bruises but licking his wet chops with satisfaction and supremely glad of his freedom he lay down on the grass near the pond and proceeded to lick those of his wounds and bruises which were within licking reach and to pity himself regarding the sharp pain in his side which his broken rib was causing presently a cart came jolting along from the direction in which finn had come and the wolfhound shrank back as far as possible into the hedge behind him but the driver of the cart took no further notice of finn than to stare idly at him possibly without even seeing him at all events with an absolutely incurious stare with renewed confidence the young hound stretched himself out again on the cool grass and presently began to doze this being the wise manner of all his kind in assisting nature to cure them of their various ills while finn dozed another cart approached him from the little town he had left behind and in this second cart were two extremely angry men one of whom strongly desired finn's recapture on mercenary grounds while the other desired it upon these grounds and others also bill wanted his share of finn's price matey wanted his larger share of that price and he also wanted badly to have finn securely tied up in a convenient position for being soundly beaten matey would almost rather have foregone the money than the satisfaction of administering the beating the very thorough beating which he pictured himself administering to finn his heavy mouth twitched viciously as matey thought about it suddenly bill pulled the pony on to his haunches with a jerk i'm jiggered if that ain't him a-waitin for us exclaimed bill in a hoarse whisper matey was out of the trap in an instant and with meat in his hand was already beginning a whining call which was meant to be extremely ingratiating but finn sprang to his feet at the sound of the cart coming to a standstill and after one glance at matey was off like a wolf down the empty country road this was yet another lesson learned finn would not be in a hurry to rest by the wayside again after two miles of galloping at the rate of nearly twenty miles an hour finn steadied down to a fast loping gait which would have kept him abreast of any other road vehicle than a motor-car and maintained this for quite a long while then by reason of the pain in his side and of other pains he decided to stop but with his last learned lesson fresh in his mind he had no intention of resting by the roadside with a twist of pain that cut into his side like a knife he leapt a field gate and crept along the inner side of the hedge for some distance before finally curling up in a dry hollow beside a hayrick here sheltered by the rick and half buried in dry hay and straw 
finn courted the sleep he needed so that it came to him swiftly in his sleep the young wolfhound whimpered occasionally and once or twice his whole great body shook to the sound of a growling bark causing two bloodshot eyes to be half opened and then mechanically closed again with a small grunt as finn's muzzle drove a little deeper into the dry hay under his hocks and he allowed sleep to strengthen its healing hold upon him it was a dream that caused finn to give that growling bark and it was a dream of a kind that had been foreign to his breed for generations he dreamed that he was chasing matey in the form of a huge rabbit armed with a stick matey the rabbit bounded away from him just as ordinary rabbits did but sounds came from matey's rabbit mouth and they were the horrid venomous sounds of the curses with which matey had followed him that morning in the walled-in yard in the dream finn was always on the point of leaping upon the back of rabbit matey's neck with jaws stretched wide for slaughter but something always intervened to prevent finn taking the leap the something was this at the moment of the leap matey always looked more like a man and less like a rabbit and the instinct which told finn not to slay a man was a very strong one but somehow rabbit matey seemed an exception finn was very anxious to feel the crunching of his shoulder and neck bones and altogether it was unfortunate that such a dream should have been inspired in the brain of so nobly born a hound when finn finally woke he gaped right in the eye of the setting sun and all about him was the solemn silence of a fine october twilight he yawned cavernously and raising his haunches stretched his huge trunk from four paws placed far out but in the midst of the stretch he gave a little smothered yelp of pain and came to earth again solicitously licking at the ribs of his right side matey's heavy boot had done great execution there slowly then finn rose and walked out into the darkening twilight of the field before he had covered a hundred yards a rabbit started up from behind a bush and scurried hedgewards for its life but the distance was too great for bunny by three yards and finn's jaws snapped his backbone in sunder within six feet of his own burrow this was hard on the rabbit but it was no more than one tiny instance of the outworking of nature's most inexorable law finn had killed many rabbits before this evening but in the past he had merely obeyed his hunting and killing instinct now this instinct in him was sharpened by hunger by having slept on the open earth and by being conscious of no human control or protection finn proceeded to eat this particular rabbit and that was distinctly a new experience for him and one that left him upon the whole pleased with himself he was not aware of the fact of course but this simple act placed him more nearly on terms with his ancestors than anything else he had ever done unless perhaps one counts the dream acts of that afternoon after his meal finn strolled along the hedge side till he came to a gap and then slipped through to the road for a mile or two he trotted along the silent road with no particular object in view and then coming to a grassy lane 
turned into that and trotted for another mile or two leaping a gate and a stile which barred his way at intervals and coming presently to a group of three large ricks his side was aching dully and finn was rather unhappy over finding no sign of the home beside the downs where his friends were and his own comfortable bed having allowed his mind to dwell upon this for several minutes he sat down on his haunches near one of the ricks and howled to the stars about it all for quite a while and so effectively that a farmer sitting in his comfortable dining-room nearly a half-mile away made a remark to his daughter about the new-fangled way these pesky motor-car people have of blowing fog-horns like the ships at sea and carrying on as if the road belonged to them Dradden it was not active unhappiness let alone misery like that of the previous night that moved finn to this vocal display but only a kind of gentle melancholy such as we call homesickness and after five minutes of it he curled up beside one of the ricks after scratching and turning around and round sufficiently to make a kind of burrow for himself and was fast asleep in about two minutes in the morning long before the dew was off the grass finn set out to do what he had never done before he set out deliberately to hunt and kill some creature for his breakfast he very nearly caught an unwary partridge though the bird did not tempt him nearly so strongly as a thing that ran upon the earth and ran fast in the end his menu was that of the previous evening and as he eyed its still warm and furry remains finn felt that life was really a very good thing even when one had a pain in one's side and a large assortment of bruises and sore places in various other parts of one's body towards midday finn lounged into a rather large village and did not like it at all it stirred up in him the recollection of matey and his horrible environment and he began to hurry impelled by a nervous dread of some kind of treachery towards the end of the village he passed a pretty creeper-grown cottage from the door of which a policeman issued the policeman stared at finn and smacked his own leg then he bent his body in an insinuating manner and called to the wolfhound here boy here good dog come along but finn only lengthened his stride and presently broke into a gallop he was no longer the guileless trustful finn of a week ago the rural constable sighed as he resumed an erect position and watched finn's disappearing form he must be the dog that's wanted all right reg'lar monster i'm blessed if he isn't but taken one thing with another i just assumed they catched him somewhere else than here why well, i reckon my missus would have a fit i don't call it hardly right myself not having him that size half an hour later to his great delight finn found himself clear of roads and houses and on the warm chalky slopes of the sussex downs these great smooth immemorial hills with their blunt crests and close-cropped springy turf brought a rush of home feeling into finn's heart which made his eyes misty so that he had to sit down and give vent to two or three long-drawn howls by way of expressing his gentle melancholy 
but finn's nose told him plainly that he had never before been on these particular downs and so good and kindly as this ancient british soil was to him it brought him no sight of actual home towards evening he coursed and killed another rabbit eating half of it and providing in the other half which he left a substantial repast for a prowling weasel who followed in his trail something it may have been merely the fact that the day had not been in any way exhausting like its predecessors prevented finn from being inclined to curl down and sleep when he passed a convenient wheat rack in a valley an hour after his supper the night was fine and clear and night-life in the open with its many mysterious rustlings bird and animal calls and other enticing sounds and smells was beginning to present considerable attractions to finn the events of the past few days had aroused all sorts of latent tendencies and inclinations in him feelings which resembled memories of bygone days in their effects upon him but yet were not memories of any life that he had known though they may have been blood memories of the experiences of his forebears later on however the young wolfhound began to tire of the freedom of the night and homesick longings rose in his heart as he thought of the coach-house and of kathleen it was at about this time that finn fell to walking along a narrow white sheep-walk on the side of a big billowy down which seemed to him pleasanter and more homely than any of the hills he had traversed that evening gradually the track in the chalk deepened and widened a little until it became a path sunk in the hillside to a depth of fifteen or twenty feet and ended in a five-barred gate beside a road finn leaped the gate with a strange feeling of exultation in his heart which made him careless of the sharp pain the leap brought to his side something rose in his throat as he reached the road his eyes became misty his nose drooped eagerly to the surface of the road and he whimpered softly as he ran with tail swaying from side to side and a great tenderness welling up within him two minutes later he came to a white gate leading to a shrub-sheltered garden before a small low rambling little house he leaped the little gate and turned sharply to the right in the garden but then his way was blocked by high doors set in masonry which could not possibly be climbed or jumped before these gates which evidently led to the stables and rear of the house finn sat down on his haunches then he lifted his long muzzle heavenward and howled lugubriously he continued his howling steadily for about one minute and a half and at the end of that time a door opened behind him in the front of the house and a man clad in pyjamas rushed out into the garden finn had studiously avoided men for these two days past now but so far from avoiding this man he rose on his hind legs to give greeting and could hardly be induced to lower his front paws even when the man in pyjamas had removed his caressing arms from about the wolfhound's shoulders the man you see was the master and three minutes afterwards he was joined by the mistress of the kennels but they were all three in the master's outside den then with tara End of chapter 8